Hey there, New City. It's Damien. I'm excited to spend the next few minutes with you, giving you a sabbatical summary. So I want to let you know some highlights from our time away. And first of all, I want to start by saying thank you to the staff, the session, and the congregation for sending me. Many of you uh, sent me messages right before, and ever since I've been back, I've come up and told me that you were praying for us and how excited you were that we got this opportunity. And thank you for that. It means so much. And we are so glad to be back. And I'm excited to let you know a little bit more about what happened in our hearts, what happened in my heart. And the way I want to start is simply by introducing uh, the sabbatical in general, which will include an overview of how we spent our time. And then after that, I'm going to jump into some personal reflections and then some leadership reflections. So first of all, I would say that I had never experienced a sabbatical before. So going into the sabbatical, the whole idea was veiled, honestly, in a bit of mystery to me. I didn't know what to expect. I knew a few things. One, I knew I'd never experienced anything like it. So then I knew that I needed to enter in with a general plan, but mostly a curious spirit, right? I was thinking, I asked myself questions like, what would I learn or how would I handle no deadlines or what would it be like to be away from New City for 12 weeks? And to my surprise and deep gratitude, I felt like I was in full sabbatical mode by 10 a.m. on the first day, which completely surprised me. And what that felt like was a level of presence and lightness that I experienced, uh, that I hadn't experienced since maybe college, right? And, and the reason that I think about college is because, right, when I'm in college, I, I actually don't have anywhere else to be, right? Maybe besides class. But you get the point. Wherever you are, you can be all there. The level of responsibility is so much less. And so this level of presence and lightness was a gift from the very beginning. And even while I think about it now, looking back after my sabbatical, um, I think about the fact that I, I didn't experience a shot of adrenaline or make a leadership decision beyond my family in three months. I mean, just imagine where, where you are, no matter what you do, no matter what stage of life you're in, you know that feeling of that shot of adrenaline and, and you say, oh, I forgot to do that, or oh, I got to reach out to so-and-so, or that person's waiting on me. You know, to not experience that for three months was truly remarkable. The amount of rest and refreshment and perspective that that time has produced is a truly a gift. And on that note, again, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. As I think about this, the, the sabbatical now, about a month or six weeks maybe from coming back, I know that these 12 weeks were a pivotal moment in my heart and my family, my family's life. Uh, and I believe that the most profound effects of the past 12 weeks will compound over the next several months and years. And at least that's my prayer. So I would invite you to pray that with me as well. If I were to give a title, like a movie title, to the last 12 weeks or the 12 weeks of the sabbatical, the title would be Back to the Basics. God brought me back to the basics of his deep love for me, the joy of being an image-bearing son, the privilege of being a husband and a father, and the deep conviction of the importance of making whole life disciples. And so in light of this, uh, my goal in this time here on this podcast is to give a basic overview of my experience. And really what I want to do is I want to bear witness to the most significant things that continue to rise to the surface for me. 
So an overview of the, of the time and how we spent it, I designed the sabbatical to have three sort of organic movements. In April, which was the first month, the theme was rest. In May, the theme was renewal. And in June, the theme was entry. So this was a very general plan, and it turned out to be a good one for what I was after in this sabbatical. So one thing, in the first week, uh, my brother-in-law was in town, and he helped me do some projects around the house. And that sounds so silly, but I really believe this was an essential change of pace from the regular rhythms of life and leadership. And I don't underestimate the value of starting the sabbatical in this way, engaging uh, life in a different way. So after that week, uh, we were just around home for a couple of weeks, and on April 22nd, we started our block of travel. And we did a lot of traveling. So between April 22nd and May 29th, we traveled 29 of those days. We drove through or visited nine states, including Utah, Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming. I'd never been to any of those states. Uh, On the days we didn't travel, I spent four to six hours a day reading, reflecting, thinking, praying, and playing. In fact, one of my goals uh, was to play golf once every week when we weren't traveling. And I didn't quite make that. I didn't even get close to it. But I did play more golf in those 12 weeks than I'd played in the previous 24 months. So that's a win. Uh, But during my times of reading and thinking, I would journal. I kept a list of books that I was reading or rereading. And uh, when, I, when I list them out, it was over 24 books I either read or reread. So I know that's relative, but it doesn't seem like a lot to me. Um, but really, I, I wasn't pushing myself to read. I was really sitting uh, and reading for pleasure and for reflection. I read all types of things. Of course, I read some theology um, but I also read this books I was interested in, like a couple of random books, for example, as I read a biography of Thomas Jefferson called Thomas Jefferson, The Art of Power. I also read a book on the history of osteopathic medicine in America. It was a textbook. So that lets you know how weird I, I am if left to my own devices. So that was wonderful. Uh, reading, reflecting, playing, uh, no doubt about it. The most the most um, meaningful thing to me, though, was the amount of time that we got to spend together as a family. It was a true, true gift. All right, so that's my overview, okay? So if you're still with me, now I want to move on and share some more specifics uh, of, of things that were meaningful to me. So I'm going to start with a couple of personal reflections. So the first thing, I just I would call it the power of input. We, we all have so much input day in and day out. Decisions, of course, I already mentioned, but emails, text messages, podcasts, news articles, watching the news or or listening to the news. I mean, there are all of these inputs. And what are we supposed to do with all of this this information? Right. So for me, I had this unique opportunity to not tend to email or text messages or anything like that. But there were also things in my personal life that I did in order to turn down the volume of input. So for example, in order to, to reduce the volume significantly uh, beyond no work email or random texts or calls for me to make a decision on something, I actually cut down all my media consumption. So I read the news only once per day and I limited it to 10 minutes. That was it. That's all I did for three months in terms of news. Uh, I didn't use any social media at all. Uh, I didn't listen to any podcasts for the first 30 days of the sabbatical. And after that, I listened only to general stuff. So nothing directly related to the Bible or theology Uh, or leadership. And what this did is it provided me room to simply think and be and listen to my own thoughts, right? That was, it was amazing. 
Um, I also decided that any drive less than 20 minutes I would use for communion and connection. So if I chose communion, I'd pray and simply sit with the Lord in my thoughts. If I decided connection, I'd use that time to call someone I hadn't connected with in a long time. Um, it's so easy to fill these every small pocket of time with more work and more input. And taking a break from that was very helpful. Of course, if my kids were with me, I would always choose connection and I would engage them and turn the radio down a little bit. And so, in fact, uh, I plan to keep implementing more of these types of drives, anything less than 20 minutes for communion and connection. And I'd commend some type of practice to you. And really what this did is uh, this heightened my commitment ongoingly to regular times of solitude. I think before I thought the only value to solitude would be a half a day retreat of silence or a day. But really what I realized is taking advantage of small, less than 20 minute drives, even that solitude is, is very powerful. So turning down the input was, was really crucial for me. The next thing I would say is this theme of refreshment and relinquishment, and really the connection between the two. So first of all, it was a gift being, quote, a normal Christian over the past 12 weeks. I mean, to read scripture with not an ounce of conscious preparation for an upcoming sermon or pastoral counseling session was so refreshing to my soul. Uh, To experience worship with my family, corporate worship, and for me to have no responsibilities for a time was so life-giving. It also made me so grateful for all of the people who serve uh, and served our family, people who prepared sermons, uh, people who met us at the door of the room for children's ministry and welcomed our kids. It made me so grateful. And honestly, it made me so grateful for New City and all of the ways that you all serve so wonderfully. In this time of refreshment and relinquishment uh, during this season, there was this deepening desire for moment-by-moment relinquishment to the Lord. And if you heard my first sabbatical summary sermon, this will sound familiar to you, but to belong and be with Jesus continuously, to relinquish my past, my present, my future to Him ongoingly, was brought so much refreshment to me. In fact, I believe that relinquishment of our life to God's love in Jesus Christ, is at the center of Christian spirituality. I think any, uh, one book I read by David Benner, he puts it this way, uh, any Christian spirituality that doesn't remove us from the center of our life is not Christian spirituality. So this idea of relinquishment was very powerful to me and it brought refreshment in this season. So after input and after refreshment and relinquishment, uh, I would say that the amount of time I spent with my family was the highlight, as I mentioned. Right along with this incredible amount of time that I had was my capacity for presence with Leah and the kids. I noticed things I I didn't see before. I had conversations that didn't feel rushed, uh, and I truly didn't have anywhere else to be. It was remarkable. I'd say in a phrase, we all know each other better than we did before. I think another way to name this is simply that my mental and emotional availability for my family was so much higher. And I've been encouraged it continues to be even now after I've been back for a few weeks, and I'm grateful for that. I think connected to this, our relationships with our neighbors, our next-door neighbors, are stronger. I mean, given that I was outside before dinner with the kids regularly, uh, it just meant I was able to engage other parents and kids on the street in a way that I, I hadn't before. And this led to continued conversations over the weeks that have created genuine relationships and my prayers for so much more. But this was a highlight for all of us to get to be more connected to our next-door neighbors. 
Of course, the amount of travel we did that I mentioned in the overview was so much fun. Right? We created lifelong memories. And, and even though an entire month of travel is not going to be possible very often, um, I, I do return with a commitment to yearly times of genuine vacation with my family. In fact, uh, let me give you a, a quick peek into that. Uh, what I mean by genuine vacation is no work except by emergency. And you may say, yeah, normal people do that. Well, let me tell you this. Um, I'm not normal then because before the sabbatical, we have never taken a full week vacation in our entire marriage. That's 14 and a half years of marriage. And in 11 years of parenting, my kids had never been on one week vacation with me where I wasn't regularly ducking out at some point for work. And so I lament this. And in fact, I repent from this. And when I say that we, we, I want to take at least one week of true vacation a year, um, it doesn't have to be fancy, uh, but it does need to happen. And so those are a few reflections on our family time. Uh, a couple quick things on my sense of calling. You know, my desire and conviction to make, mature, and multiply whole life disciples absolutely increased during this time, which is really uh, a way of talking about what New City is about. Uh, the other thing I would say is my desire and conviction to teach and write resurfaced during the sabbatical. So I've been grateful to have opportunities to teach at RTS and Covenant Seminary and for Redeemer City to City, all since finishing my PhD. And uh, during my sabbatical, I realized that I'd really been viewing these opportunities as something sort of incidental to what I believe God's called me to. But I believe this type of work is integral to my sense of call. So in many ways, uh, I don't envision a lot changing. Um, I, I teach a class here and there, uh, but rather it's my perspective on, on what that means. So in other words, I think it mainly means for me a change in my own perspective that this isn't just simply a cool thing that I have the opportunity to do, but it's crucial and integral to what I believe God has called me to. And that was very encouraging to me. Both of those things were encouraging. So I come back with a growing and clearer sense of how God's gifted me and what he's calling me to do as the senior pastor of New City. And that will lead me to some leadership reflections. So I think, first of all, I would say that uh, as I reflected and read um, during my sabbatical, there's a real sense in which uh, I've, I have tried to make myself into a leader, a type of leader that I'm not naturally wired for. And um, uh, I'm going to stay somewhat vague uh, on this point, but not intentionally. Um, but I think I'll say that um, there are so many ways in which um, I felt uh, fear in simply leading in the way that God has called me to lead. And uh, as I've come back, I've been able to reflect in much more detail with the session. And um, I've had, we've had some very encouraging conversations. And I feel, maybe for the first time, true freedom. I'm feeling true freedom uh, to lead confidently in the way that God has wired me to lead. And, and I hope to share more of that with you throughout the fall. But one specific example is that uh, one thing I recognize about myself in this inability to embrace who I am, who God's made me to be, um, there's, there's a deep fear of failure. Like when I was reading and reflecting on uh, a book by David Benner um, called Surrender to Love, I realized how much fear actually affects me. And in fact, I'll just pause and say, I submit to you that we're all way more afraid than we realize. In fact, I've added a, a new question to my evening prayer rotation, which is simply the question, Lord, when was I afraid today? And to really ask him to show me that. 
I think there are ways my fear hinders my love for others. There are ways that my fear makes me shut off my longing because I'm avoiding failure and criticism. I think there's a way in which I waste energy dealing with my fear. And I think it's important to say that I often don't experience it as fear. In other words, the reason it was shocking or or at least surprising to me was because I don't feel what I tend to think of afraid very often. In in fact, the the fear is sort of covered up in in my heart by by energy to act, uh, to to have a conversation, to to do something, to produce something. And so rather than admitting that I'm, I'm afraid of being criticized, um, I do something, right? So, but nevertheless, the fear is still there. And so what happens with not dealing with it is I lose energy for ideas and for simply loving people when it's hard. So ultimately though, my fear, I believe, is of failure, it's of criticism. And, and ultimately at the root, I think it's this, at least where I am right now in my reflection, is that my fear is of not adding value. So in other words, I fear being worthless. And that has many ramifications for my life. And so this, this wasn't ultimately new, but certainly it was a deeper iteration and profoundly helpful. So I come back repenting in a way of my own fear uh, and an embracing of my weakness, uh, finding strength in weakness. Weakness is the way to strength. And again, if you've listened to my two sermons uh, reflecting on my sabbatical, that theme will certainly be there. Uh, the last thing I want to share in terms of my reflections on leadership and New City is the importance of Sunday mornings. You know, uh, as pastors and staff members, uh, the reality is, is we, we are preparing every week for Sunday morning. Um, and of course we are. And it's, it's a joy. And theologically, I know that corporate worship for all of us is the pinnacle of the Christian week. It's the highlight. It, it, it's the pinnacle, and then everything flows out from that time of worshiping. We're called to worship by God. We confess our sins. He forgives us of our sins. He then speaks forgiveness over us and then encourages us and exhorts us from, the, from his word. And then he communes with us at his table. And then we're sent with and by the Spirit. That's beautiful. Theologically, I certainly believe that. But as a pastor, week in and week out, I, I was in a place where I was getting discouraged. I mean, don't get me wrong. Uh, I think we do a wonderful job at New City, and theologically, I believe, as I said, this is the pinnacle of the Christian week. It's a, it's a truly unique honor to be able to serve as a pastor in the way that I do. But I was discouraged experientially, and this is what I was thinking is, man, we spend so many resources on this 90 minutes. Is it really bearing fruit? Does it really matter? And I can tell you from my experience of being a, quote, normal Christian for the past 12 weeks— It totally matters. Sunday morning was so rich and life-giving for us. I mean, having not given any thought to producing or leading public worship at all and going to experience the gifts and service of other brothers and sisters in Christ was truly amazing. And I would regularly reflect to Leah after we would experience corporate worship together as a family on Sunday morning that this really matters. And everything matters. The preaching matters. The singing matters. The gathering matters. Volunteers and leaders serving families matters, right? Giving of time and gifts and showing up to serve the Lord in these ways, it really matters. And so I want to take this time to thank all of you for the way that you serve, Uh, the way that you serve, the way that you give of your time, your talents, your treasure, your gifts on Sunday morning, and, and coming to receive from the Lord, and, and what I'll conclude with is that uh, prayer was another clear theme throughout my sabbatical, and so I want to end with this. I want to be a man who instinctively prays before I plan. I want to be a pastor 
who instinctively prays before I plan. I want to be a husband who instinctively prays before I plan. I want to be a father who instinctively prays before I plan. And I want us to become a church filled with moms and dads and men and women and children who instinctively pray before we plan. And so to that end, I believe, New City, that our best days are ahead of us. We rely on the Lord, we pray, then we plan, and then we keep repenting, depending, and walking with Jesus moment by moment. Thanks for listening.